5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on the 21st of December 2020, creeping towards the end of the year. And we have got stories from this country and around the world for you. Very important things, everything that's in the headlines, things that should be in the headlines, as we always do here on The Punch-Out. We'll be talking about how the UK cops are very racist. Maybe no surprise if you're listening from the UK. One in five prisoners in the United States positive for COVID-19. One in five. Going to talk about that. But before we get to that, going to go to the so-called stimulus bill, which I have to say wasn't much of an end-of-the-year stocking stuffer. Well, no doubt millions of struggling Americans were hoping for an end-of-the-year stimulus stocking stuffer from Congress. However, Congress and the White House, after a weekend of negotiating, have more or less just dropped in a few lumps of coal with a $900 billion stimulus package that doesn't come close to meeting the scale of the social crisis being faced by tens of millions of people in this country. The bill at the end of the day was an attempt by all sides to do just enough to kick the can down the road, not enough to really solve anything, but hopefully for them, at least, enough to keep people from blaming them too heavily for the ongoing economic and social fallout that they didn't deal with in this bill. Now, it's really worth reflecting on the depth of the social crisis in front of us here. 85.4 million people in the U.S. struggling to pay basic expenses. 27.4 million adults struggling to get enough to eat each week. Four in 10 children living in households struggling to afford rent, food, or both. Now, it's one thing to hear those numbers, but listen here to Dave Kisselback, who told the Associated Press a few days ago what he's seeing at the food bank where he works in New Jersey. And the demand has gotten even more so since the summer. So in the summer, we were averaging around 70,000 meals a month, and now we're averaging over 200,000 meals a month. And we live in one of the wealthiest counties in the country, and this is still happening here. The line today for the cars um, was over two miles, and there's been people that have been waiting here since 5.30 this morning. Um, So people are driving upwards of an hour to two hours to get here, and then sitting in a line for three to four hours before they're able to get their box of food. So that says a lot of what's really going on in society, that people are that desperate. Mm. Miles-long lines for food, aid, and a rich country. That's where we are at. Mm. Unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) Unbelievable. Two-mile lines for that food. Let me just move on. Looking at the specifics of the bill, you can see the issues, just similar things across all the issues, I should say. Take, for instance, the $25 billion rental assistance. Certainly sounds good. Better than nothing, I guess someone could argue, but when you realize how much money Americans owe in back rent, doesn't seem that great. $25 billion in rental assistance? Well, Americans owe about $34 billion in back rent. There's also the fact that this is tens of billions of dollars less than just one month of total rent payments in the U.S. So clearly it's not enough to deal with either the backlog or the growth of the problem as people continue to lose jobs and income. Now, you might add it comes with an eviction moratorium, certainly good, but since the rent isn't canceled, the back rent issue becomes bigger and thus a greater long-term problem. Now, 
You could also take the issue of the $300 unemployment boost. Now, you remember that back when the CARES Act passed earlier this year that the $600 unemployment boost was calculated based on a, well, a, a calculation to essentially make sure that everyone who was unemployed got 100% of their income when they got the unemployment check. So cutting it in half is also an admission that there are then millions of people who will have reduced incomes, further deepening their economic hardship. In fact, I mean, again, you know, I say this a lot, you got to laugh to keep from crying because when you really look at it, I mean, it really seems that on the unemployment and the $600 checks that they basically just settled on half the CARES Act amount for no other reason other than to stick to the arbitrary goal of a $900 billion-ish package set by Republicans. So they basically just cut it in half just to be cutting it in half, not because they were actually trying to figure out what could help people. And that gets to why we're actually here right now. Both parties are basically choosing to do less now on the basis of gambles relating to the January 5th Georgia Senate runoff elections. I, I mean, you could argue here Republicans are a little bit more malicious. I mean, they're hoping that they win so that they can use the leverage to make sure any future stimulus is handicapped moving forward or, you know, there's as many terrible poison pills as possible. They're operating off of a vision, and they've been saying this for months, that sees the pandemic as basically over, thinking that, you know, the economy is just going to snap back relatively soon and make it all go away or at least enough of it for them to actually have to pay attention at the congressional Republican level. And they have a very high threshold for millions and millions of Americans having almost nothing to eat or being able to pay their rent. Now, that being said, Democrats, shameless here, spineless. Some might say, as always, they're also hoping they win here in January 5th in Georgia, betting they're doing less now. We'll get them more later. That with both houses of the Congress and the White House, they can pass a more robust stimulus. There's a lot of support all across the economic spectrum or ideological spectrum for 2 to $3 trillion worth of stimulus, some are saying. But that's a gamble on two fronts. One, they could lose in that Georgia Senate election. Two, centrist Democrats may raise many of the same Republic, uh, points that Republicans will raise for sure, even in the minority. So there's nothing really straightforward saying that all these things are going to get worked out and they're just going to be able to, on January 22nd, snap their fingers, do a magic wand and come up with $3 trillion and it won't really matter that they didn't do that much right now. Uh, so a lot of gambles and even if it goes the way they want it to go, it could take some time for it to happen, which means that this inadequate aid will become more inadequate as the virus continues to wreak havoc and the economy continues to slow down over the next few weeks. Which is why it's so shameful that they didn't go harder. Democrats certainly had leverage, mainly shutting down the government, but also... You know, there was a clear issue for Republicans with the Georgia Senate race was obviously hurting them to have no bill. You'd think that they would have held up for something, something relevant. But no, the big thing over the weekend for Democrats was around this Federal Reserve funding that hasn't done much for average people at all, but a lot for Wall Street. You'd think that if you had the pressure of shutting down the government, a fiscal cliff, all these things, that you would have held out for $1,200 checks or I don't know, something. But that's the U.S. for you, or at least the U.S. political class, or at least the capitalist U.S. political class. Everything about pandemic aid is about how to most skillfully not do enough to help people while pretending you are politically. Well, a breathtaking new study from the Marshall Project that has collected as much data as they could since March of this year has revealed that one in five prisoners, it's about 275,000 in the U.S., have tested positive for COVID-19 and at least 1,700 have passed away from the virus. The study also noted that the mortality rate for COVID-19 among prisoners is 45% higher 
than the overall national rate. Dante Westmoreland, 26 years old, recently released from a prison in Kansas where he tested positive or caught the virus, I should say, while serving time on a weed charge where he was in an open dorm with almost 100 virus-infected people. He said, quote, it felt like I was sentenced to death. This is further confirmation of what prisoners have been saying and acting on for months regarding prisons and jails being super spreader sites. No real social distancing, totally inadequate provision of PPE, and a totally lax attitude towards COVID-19 protective procedures. There have been many calls for compassionate release because, I mean, quite frankly, there's been a lot of stories like this coming out you know, prison by prison over the past few months, but there have been very little compassionate releases. 10,000 federal prisoners, for instance, asked for compassionate release due to COVID risk. Only 156 were approved, 156 out of 10,000. Earlier this year, Breakthrough covered a hunger strike in Lane County Jail in Oregon. One of the prisoners who organized that strike, Brian McDonald, talked to us about how COVID-19 was being handled there, which led prisoners to take strike action, conditions that this study shows speak for many jails and prisons around the country. Officers absolutely were refusing to wear masks. Um, it was just a huge amount of... And then in the same token, where they were not doing anything to protect us from COVID-19, at the same token, they were using COVID-19 to stop a bunch of our rights. They were using COVID-19 to say that we couldn't have religious services. They were using COVID-19 to say that we could not meet face-to-face -face with our attorneys, which is making it... I mean, honestly, I'm taking a plea deal within the next couple of days and going to prison. And I probably wouldn't be doing this without that. The police in the UK have killed people and are hold unaccountable for. Look at the t-shirt. These are the names of people they've killed. How dare the chief of police across the country issue a statement saying they're in solidarity with George Floyd. They are disgraceful. They have never been accountable in this country. And that was the sound of a Black Lives Matter protest across the pond, as it were, this summer, where the uprising against racism sparked by the murder of George Floyd quickly spread, mobilizing tens of thousands, not just in solidarity with the uprising in the U.S., but taking aim at racist policing in the United Kingdom. New data from the Home Office, that's an official government report, has further confirmed that they are right to be out there, those who've been protesting demanding Black Lives Matter in the UK. Specifically, Her Majesty's government admits that police are five times more likely to use force against black people than white. And by the way, tip of the hat to the canary for this analysis, by the way, also on the other side of the pond there. And uh, the Home Office also calculated that number to exclude London, where the vast majority of black people live, but looking separately at London, the area around London covered by the Metropolitan Police, I should say, uh, they are four times more likely to use force on black people. So uh, not doing that much better there, but five times the country writ large, four times in London. So in London, you might want to stow all that talk that I hear all the time. It's, oh, it's so cosmopolitan. There's not that much racism, blah, blah, blah. Well, there is. Overall, 492,000 use of force incidents in the year to March in the UK. That's up tens of thousands from the year before. Interestingly enough here, Taser use was up 37%, but in 85% of the times a taser was involved, it was not discharged, which raises serious questions about why and how they are being used in the first place. 
at least why they're being pulled out. And it's very similar to the discussion here in the U.S. regarding guns, as it were, and also tasers, quite frankly, is the statistical evidence shows that these heavy uses of force or killing of people is not really connected overall to the dangerousness of the job. Uh, and a lot of it is related to just wanton, aggressive, racist policing, uh, not any sort of public safety measures. So just even more evidence of something that is happening here in the U.S., obviously also happening in the U.K., and proving overall that when it comes to police violence— the United States doesn't have a monopoly. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah. Oh.